0: All right, so we have a bit of a supersized episode coming your way. We've got a lot of stuff to get through. And just a warning, there are a ton of spoilers for the Umbrella Academy. We're going to be recapping season one, season two. So if you have not watched season two especially, uh, there's there's a ton of spoilers. So make sure you watch it, then come back and check out this podcast. Here are our thoughts. If you've already watched it, great. We're going to dive right in. Hey, I'm Xander.
1: And I'm Kim.
0: And today we are going to be talking about Umbrella Academy. And we have a special guest, a friend of the pod, Eileen Aquino. Hi, Eileen. Hi. Uh, Hello. Hey, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start out as the person who just does not know Umbrella Academy because I don't. Um, I've seen maybe maybe three or four episodes. I know enough that I, I kind of like Klaus. But um, (laughs) that's all I know. Uh, So for folks who don't know that much about Umbrella Academy, the books or the show, what's it about?
2: So my funny little introduction to Umbrella Academy for people, uh, especially for the show, the comics are kind of different. Um, The show is basically like, what if Odin took care of the X-Men? The bad parenting uh, maladjusted children. Um, so it's called the Umbrella Academy because um, Harvey's original like cover corporation was an umbrella making factory, um, and so the quick the quick intro to the Umbrella Academy is that there are these kids that are all born um, on October first, nineteen eighty nine. I mean. Yeah. In 1989 is the correct idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are all born from non-previous pregnancies. So they are born just like very quickly. um, And this eccentric billionaire goes around the world and adopts seven of these children. So Um, collecting them like Pokemon. Yeah, just collecting them like Pokemon. And (laughs) then brings them together to train them to create the Umbrella Academy. And it's supposed to be them saving the world. And he numbers all the kids, um, number one through seven. Um and growing up number one is like space Boy; he's the strong one. Number two is Diego. He is, he can control any projectile. Number three is Allison. She can manipulate anyone with I heard a rumor. Uh number four is Klaus. He can commune with a dead. Uh number five is number five. He doesn't have a name. And he was known to jump through space, but he was always trying to do more and prove their father wrong and so one day he jumps through time number six is ben who by the time we start the umbrella academy has passed away um and is in a sense haunting number four and number seven is Vanya, who at the beginning seems to have no powers so as we go through the first season we learn a lot about these now just children that are now adults And we see that Hargreaves was never really a father for them. And they were also, they were basically treated just for their powers. Um, And at the end, we find out that Vanya is actually the most powerful one of them. So if you think about it, they were actually numbered from least powerful to most powerful. Oh, wow. Or, yeah. And so then that also creates maladjustments because number one thinks that he's always supposed to lead the team and he's always supposed to. So he becomes very attached to Hargreaves. And then, in season two, you kind of get that he realizes he maybe he's not necessary, or, like, that's what he starts to think. Um, and number seven, Vanya, um, has, throughout her life, because she was never allowed on the missions and she didn't have powers, and so she was thought of the weak one, she wrote a book um, to, like, as her life as part of the Umbrella Academy, which ostracized her from her book, family. Yeah. Yeah, and so she's always felt distant from her family members, um, even though sometimes they tried. It's kind of a thing of just like they were all maladjusted because they were forced to train for their powers, and she's maladjusted because she wasn't. She didn't feel feel part of the community, and it all comes to a head in the last episode where they realize that she has powers, and they realize that she can't control them because she's kind of like a Gene Gray ticking bomb kind yes. of
1: thing. Yes, that's a oh, great wow. that's a great yeah. analogy. I didn't okay. think about that. Yeah, so she's a
2: she's a Jean Grey like the Phoenix is in her and she can't control it.
0: Yeah, that never um, ends well. <laughs>
2: and yeah, and then you also have two of my favorite side characters, which are Hazel and Cha Cha, yes. which were, who worked with Number Five and throughout the series are trying to hunt him down to bring him back into the Commission because he's a wayward uh, soldier.
0: Oh wow! Okay, that's that is. Yeah, so, that is a lot. So that's but, that's season one, right?
1: Yeah, so that's okay. all season, that's one. season Be- one. Before we dig into season two, just we lost some people along the way. So Hazel kills the handler, right? Or yes. supposedly kills the handler. Spoiler oh, alert! Yeah. Shoots the handler, who's like one of the pe- head of the commission people. Yep. Um, and then also we lose Cha Cha, unfortunately, as well. Oh.
0: I only know Aww. them by name.
1: Yeah, Mary J. <laughs> Blige. So we lose Mary J. Blige, which is really unfortunate. Oh Harold Jenkins, who is. Oh Harold. Yeah, oh, but no one cares about Harold. Yeah. No <laughs> Harold, Harold was my Vanya's, I guess, ex or whatever. But he was sketchy from the beginning, and then he ended up being like a backstabber anyway. So, bye, Harold. We don't care about him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so then that leads us up to season two, which that just uh, just dropped on Netflix.
1: Uh, Season 2 dropped on July 31st, and I'm just going to set the stage here. I'm just going to lay some groundwork, and then we will get into the good stuff, I promise. So, in Season 2, the Hargreaves siblings find themselves in Dallas in the 60s, but scattered throughout different years because... Five kind of messed that up, um, but all sounds par year- for the course for this for <laughs> yeah, this crew. That's a very five thing to do. Um, but um, it's all they all the years that they're scattered throughout is, is are all the years before the assassination of John F. Kennedy, which was November of 1963. So. Just revisiting everybody, after being hit by a car, Vanya becomes the caretaker of a young, nonverbal boy named Harlan. He lives on a farm, uh, so she lives on a farm with Harlan's parents, Sissy and Carl. Um, And then when we first see Diego, uh, he's trapped in a psychiatric hospital, and he has befriended a fellow patient and potential love interest named Lila. Um, Klaus seems to have started his own peace cult uh which is called destiny's children
0: oh i like the name i feel <laughs> like it could catch on
1: um and yeah. consists of him quoting pop songs that haven't been recorded yet um as like sermons
0: that's what i would do i klaus is <laughs> klaus is really clawing for my heart right here
1: pretty genius yeah uh yeah, I, luther has i i don't know if luther has put on a few pounds because he does like allude to it and he's eating a lot throughout this season i or i'm just i just might be confusing it with the book where he's just like just straight up like obese, um, but uh, either way, uh, Luther Luther's starting to feel not so number one as you said, Eileen, um, and he works at an underground fight club for Jack Ruby, who is um, notoriously the nightclub owner who shot and killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, and if you're thinking that I just looked that up, you would be totally correct. I was
0: I was about to give you <laughs> some props for that. Sorry, I was I was very impressed.
1: And then it, I went and then... on the Google. It's okay.
0: Hey, hey, we all do it.
1: (laughs) And then that takes us to Allison. So when we see Allison, she's living her best life. She is uh, married to a handsome man named Raymond Chestnut, who's basically John Lewis. He's a civil rights activist and organizer, and they meet in the hair salon where Allison works.
0: Okay, so now that we've gotten all that out of the way, let me go to what were your first impressions of season two, since you both just binged the hell out of it. And Eileen, we'll start with you. (laughs) What did you think?
2: Um. So I really enjoyed season two. Uh, I think I texted Kim as soon as I started, and I texted another one of our friends, Robin. Um, and it was what cemented it for me was when Allison was shown walking into a diner, and like all the patrons are white, and they show like they pointed right above her, and it's like white only. And I was like, okay, they're not ignoring the fact that this is a woman of color, but at the moment, yeah like, had been recently injured, cannot speak for herself. She's used to being in an era where she can't speak for herself. And as the rumor, Allison's life, she can control it for the most part. Um, and so, like, her, like, looking completely scared, looking out of place. Um, and so already that enamored me to, the, to like, season two because I was like, okay, we're actually going to deal with this. Um, and then just seeing, like, how they were all spread out and how... They, when they were dropped from the portal, they're all calling each other's names. Um, and it's a big thing because throughout season one, they're still separated, not only by location and like they were only brought back together because their father had just passed away. But just like where they were in their feelings for each other, like yeah. this was a very fragmented group. And just like seeing them coming out of this portal and the first thing they're like, oh, my God, where's the rest of my family and then for the rest of the season, they're like, until they all find each other, they're just like, oh, my God, like, I'm alone in this place, and I just got my family back. And when they see each other, they're so excited. So, like, that was, like, I just loved this season because of, like, that change in tune. For, like, season one I loved a lot, but season two, this was more heartfelt for me because it was not only, like... They didn't ignore the fact that they had a, uh, one of their female leads is a black woman. Um, and they didn't ignore the fact that like two of their other leads were queer characters. Mm-hmm. Like, so all of that was impacted into the story and it made sense. And we didn't feel like it was just for like, oh, we just slapped it on last minute or we didn't mm. think this thoroughly. Everything was thought out. So it was um, like, I, that's my first impression. Just from that already, I could already tell how much thought was put into the story.
1: So I read season two ahead of time at the beach. the book. Yeah, I read the book. Um and, and you gotta you gotta realize that the books were, were published between two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Not that like, you know, that was that long ago, to be honest. Um but that was
0: that was twelve, thirteen years ago.
1: So yeah, but I, I think the, the changes that they've made, you know between the the books and the TV show made this season so impactful for me for all the reasons that yeah. Eileen said um the fact that they did address um that Allison is a woman of color, the fact that they did address that Klaus is um is gay like it, it was it, it was incredible and to do it in the context of the 60s, which was and and specifically 1963, which you know, as we've mentioned in another podcast, was a critical time um, for for American history and and civil rights. Um, yes,
0: yeah, go back and check out our uh, if you haven't already, check out our our podcast on graphic novels and social change. Uh, we we cover this area pretty. <laughs> pretty extensively
1: fun fact it was also the year that the x-men came out yes yep um but but yeah to to address that in the 60s um was a ambitious undertaking that honestly only the umbrella academy could could pull off um and then one last note on sort of my first impression is that i just thought this season was just this like feast for the senses. I I felt like yes. the scenery was really rich and and beautiful to look at, even the 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 gritty dirty parts um are mm-hmm. just like was just really beautiful to look at and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um just dynamic pictures, a really engaging story. Now that that now that we're grounded in all these characters' backstories, um Seeing them evolve as characters and seeing their relationships with each other and with other characters evolve um was was really engaging and really interesting. And the soundtrack this season, I know the the music means a lot to to this series in general. um, but I think this season's soundtrack, especially because it was the 60s and there's just so many iconic songs to come out of that that era but they also even the the modern pop songs that they put in there was so well done like uh, this soundtrack is probably gonna be one of my favorite soundtracks
0: i i was walking in and out of the room while you were watching and the some of the songs kept grabbing me because i would say oh i know that song i I really like that song or there'd be another one that that i was like oh i've heard that song before but what is it i found myself you know kind of secretly like shazamming and making you pause so that shazam would have time to figure out what the song was um but could just uh, listen
1: to the soundtrack i
0: i could just listen to the soundtrack i i should um but uh so so i know kim i know you have some favorite scenes eileen I'm i'm sure you do as well
1: I love when Klaus, Allison, and Vanya have a little dance party in the hair salon. It was was like the sweetest, most heartwarming moment in like the life of these siblings who like keep, you know, who keep getting traumatized by challenge after challenge and keep drifting apart from each other and hating each other and then coming back together and then drifting apart again. Like to see the three of them just like enjoy each other's company that's like a lot of pressure and stress and anger and all of these negative emotions that that like hang over this family like a cloud. It was just really good to see them like having fun together and just being siblings, and it was just really it was really sweet. One of my favorite um episode like scenes from this season was when
2: it Klaus Allison. And Diego are trying to stop Vanya from exploding the FBI building and they realize that she's, like, something's happening to her that she just can't control it. Uh-huh. And, like, as always, when Vanya's in trouble, Allison is the first to try to get to her. Yeah. Um... And, like, Klaus is freaking out, and Diego tries to go after her, too. And when he realizes, like, he can't do it, it's one of the first moments where Diego actually, like, hands over the reins to somebody else. Instead of trying to be, like, Mr. Save-It-All, Mr. Hero, he, like, finds a way to, like, get Klaus to, like, like get the hose to go back and push Klaus forward. And Klaus, who has been doubting himself the whole time because he's gone through so much trauma as as well this the season, like, kind of, like... Tries at least and doesn't make it. And throughout all of this, we have Ben and Ben goes through, and so we get to see the relationship that Ben and Vanya had. Um, and you, like, we always know that Ben is the sweetest because he's like trying to take care of Klaus this whole time, has stuck around by Klaus, Um and you get to see him interact with another member of his family, and he sacrifices his life to save Vanya. And, like, I was, like, cheering, like, my face was all puffy because I was crying, and, like, when he starts disappearing, he's just like, I just want to hug you, like, can you hug me? And then tell Vanya to tell Klaus that, It wasn't his fault that Ben stuck around, that he was afraid of the light. And just, like, the fact that he knows his siblings and he knows how to break through to them, he knows exactly what to say to Vanya so she doesn't feel like a failure, like she's a monster. He knows what to say to Klaus so Klaus doesn't feel that deep-seated regret that he's made Ben stick around for years. And it, it was just so perfect for Ben as a character for all like for the sibling dynamic, which is the part that I love.
1: I think the part that did it for me was like the, like that scene where he like is getting through to Vanya and he goes, you're not a monster. You're my sister. You aren't alone at the table anymore, Vanya. And I was like, no. You know, I was like, I was like, okay, just take my heart. I don't need it. I know. Bye. Jeez. And that's when I melted into a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I had to be scooped off off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so I know you had you you're really on on Ben. You had a yeah. you had another. Favorite I Ben have, scene.
1: I have, oh, So all the Ben scenes were my favorite scene. Just going to put that out there. That every every scene that Ben was in. In episode seven, where Ben convinces Klaus to let him inhabit his body. And he finally gets to, like, experience the real world. And he's, like, smelling yeah. flowers and feeling, like, dirt underneath his bare feet. And he has that moment with Jill in the pile of dirt. Yeah. they're just like making snow angels and the dirt and like just he's just like giddy with like being alive again um but yeah so it was just there was that and then he also has that moment with Diego where he's still like forcing himself into Klaus's body he's like Klaus is trying to like eject him and he's just like no I'm staying here um and then he like goes to Diego and he's like he's like Diego it's Ben and Diego's face when he realizes it's Ben and then they hug and I was just like, oh my God, that was an amazing moment.
0: A lot of touching moments yes. in this He's a this heartbreaker, season. that
1: Ben. Yeah. Yeah, that Ben. I yeah. have another one that I have to mention because I have a shopping addiction. Yes.
2: <laughs> and, yes, <you> do. Um, <laughs> And much.
1: because a good dressing room scene is my favorite <laughs> pop culture trope of all time. <laughs> I will watch all the dressing room scenes. Especially when it's, like, two love interests or, like, a couple or whatever. And they're, like, trying on stuff and being flirty with each other. Um, But uh, Allison and Ray's shopping trip after she reveals herself as the rumor. So, basically, like, she goes, she... um, She tells Raymond about her power, so she decided to finally come clean, and he's like, I won't believe it until I see it. She was like, all right, fine. So she takes him to this, like, fancy-schmancy, like, custom suit shop. Obviously, whites only. Obviously, they're, like, you know, um, facing some discrimination from the shop owner, and so she she rumors him, which is (laughs) the official term for what she does, and she's like, I heard a rumor that you're going to let my husband try on anything he wants in the store, and Then starts the Hold On, I'm Coming by Sam and Dave, uh, which, you know, gets used a lot in film. It's probably most recognized from, like, the 1980 film The Blues Brothers, but it was also in, like, the 2007 mm-hmm. film American Gangster it was in 2010's due date but it just like it felt so right here it felt so right to hear like hold on I'm coming play while they run from store to store and like he passes by a store and sees a dress in the window and like looks at Allison and Allison's like hell yeah I'm gonna try it on and like they run in the store and they like leave and she's wearing this fabulous red dress and like carrying like tons of shopping bags like it was, it was such a fabulous mm-hmm. moment so I will never turn down A a good shopping scene. One of my favorite scenes is actually one of the first scenes we see, and it's when um, number
2: five has finally dropped. Like, we've seen everybody else drop through time, and number five is the last one. And he gets there right before, like, right after uh, basically uh, Russians have invaded Dallas, um, and right before we're about to get hit with nukes. And you see just like. All of the umbrella academy fighting it was just the way they were dressed how they were fighting together and protecting each other which is something we really haven't gotten to see at that point i was just like this is mm, i love this moment um and then also when we see what happened to allison after she left that diner where they like basically pushed her out they're like white only and she hit a couple of white guys on like the outside and they're trying to harass her and she punches one of them because again this is someone from 2019 she's used to fighting for herself and not only a yeah. black one from 2019 she is a superhero from 2019 yeah, and right yeah. now she and doesn't used have to just... access yeah, yeah she doesn't have access to her powers and she's in a time not her own and so she punches this white guy and you kind of quickly realize that she noticed she realizes what she's done and she's like Oh, and she runs away and gets into the black beauty shop and they come and all like, no questions asked, just come and protect her, which is something Mm -hmm. that I love. Like, just it's something that always happens in African-American TV. It's just like black women are always there to protect you, are always like, okay, sweetie, we're going to help you out. We're going to figure the things out and just like help them. And it was just like, it was such a touching moment for me, just seeing that on screen, seeing someone who was. Completely helpless, even though she can be one of the most powerful people in the world, just like being helped by other women, other Black women, and I was just like yeah. crying again. I was like, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted, I her up to save
1: her.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, I, and that also goes really well with with I think your last two favorite scenes.
1: Yeah, I th- just like just like you, Eileen. I think the social justice moments in the show uh, meant a lot to me, especially as on geek prime we continue our social justice series um so the the Allison and ray staging the sit-in at the diner like you know was really important to me especially as someone who finished reading march i'm, I'm glad that you know that they decided to show um Allison and ray sort of you know being these these social justice warriors and and being advocates and um and and doing uh you know, a lot of civil rights work. Um, So that was, that, that meant a lot to me to just sort of have that on television on a really, really popular show. Um, And then this wasn't a social justice moment in the same spirit, but um, when Klaus is talking to Dave at the diner and, and, yeah, and basically saying like, Dave, I know you, like, I know you, I know you're gay, I know we were lovers. Um, And then like, and there's just like really like, just powerful moment and not powerful in a positive way, but really powerful in a in a jarring way that kind of reminds you that it's 1963 um, is when Dave's homophobic uncle makes Dave punch Klaus. Jesus. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it was like, really, I was like, oh, oh, we really are in 1963. Like they're not messing around yeah. with this with this timeline.
0: <clears throat> At least, Yeah, it's good. They didn't sugarcoat things. Yeah, but show it, you know, as it as it was, and how people from from our time would would interact back then, and and how just culturally shocking it would be. Yeah, you were talking earlier about how there were a bunch of a bunch of very fun sidekicks in season one, and Kim, you were talking about how they they killed Mary J. Blige, which is very
1: um, R.I.P. shocking to I me. I loved her, but
0: but. You also, you guys just alluded to in your favorite scenes that there are new sidekicks and new characters in this season. So so who are, Kim, who are some of the, the newer characters this season?
1: Yeah, so this season we get to make some new friends. Um, so there's... The fiery and funny Lila, who's played by Ritu Arya. Um, she's best known from Humans, and I know her from Last Christmas. I don't know why, I, whenever I look up her name, they don't mention that. That was a joke. Because of a Humans movie.
0: was a great show.
1: There's the handsome and charming, I thought he was handsome, um, and charming Raymond, um, played by Yusuf uh, Gatewood, and he's from that show, The Originals, which I wish I watched.
0: That's another one of the vampire shows, right? I
1: think so. Yeah. Yes. I
0: think that's the. Yeah. Uh, it's got the flirtily, It's It's in Louisiana, right? Like in New Orleans?
1: I think yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's a
2: spin-off of the Vampire Decorite. Ah, uh, on- got it.
1: To be honest, I only got interested in it when I looked him up, and then I had to look up the originals, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, so then <laughs> there's the oppressed house mom, Sissy, uh, played by Marin Ireland, who's from Hell or High Water, Homeland, I Am Legend, and fun thing that I learned she is in the upcoming why the last man production I'm
0: very interested to see oh, how that yeah. goes because I loved why I, I thought why was great book.
1: yeah so that's a lot of fun <laughs> um and then lastly there's the paranoid but friendly Elliot who's played by Kevin Rankin um who was in Dallas Buyers Club Breaking Bad and also fun fact in Hell or High Water so that's two that's two actors we got from Hell or High Water
0: so, who are your who are your favorite characters this season?
1: In the
2: beginning, I was very intrigued by Lila, which is funny because, as Kim knows, I took a quiz on BuzzFeed of which character I am, and I thought I was going to get Klaus, but I got Diego, and yep. it all made sense. Mm. Um, I'm very much Diego, and I, you know, too. I do. Arya is hot. Diego, oh yeah, so, see, Diego is hot. I mean, all Diegos are hot, but. <laughs> but yes, I was very intrigued by Lila. Um, and I still actually really like her as a character because I think she was perfectly complex. Um, cause she's another person where it's another child taken from their family, but this Lila just happened to be taken when she was older. Um, and like brought up by a maladjusted adult or like a parent, a person who should not be a parent. Um, and who's using them for power. Um, so Lila is my favorite anti-hero or my favorite antagonist yeah. of the, of season two. Okay. Um, my other favorite character from this season is someone who was in last season, but we really didn't get to meet too much is Herb. Um, and he oh, is, uh, part of the commission. Um, and he is just like, he's one of those, like, we can, we can see through Herb how the commission can actually not be evil. Um, because the commission through the eyes of the handler and Chacha and Hazel doesn't seem like the best place to work or is, like, they seem, like, very nefarious, but through Herb, we're just like, oh, they're just keepers of time, and they just, they have their ways of seeing the world. Um, But Herb is, like, a very, really, like, by the books kind of man, but, like, he still idolizes the Umbrella Academy and he knows about them, he wants to help them out, and he's just like, listen, us, us pencil-pushers and us, like, spy-the-books people, we can be heroes, too. Um, And I just thought that was super adorable of him.
1: Oh, my God. Um, Did you love at the end of the season that, like, he and Diego had their own, like, secret handshake? Yes. Oh, my God. I had to rewatch that part of this, like,
2: scene again because I did not pay attention to what anybody else was saying. I was just like, wait, they have a secret handshake. They have a secret handshake. I am not okay. This is the cutest (laughs) little thing ever. so cute. Because that would be. That would be, like, the perfect side person to Diego is someone, like, just buy the books who he, like, has admiration for and has, like, okay, like, you are a good person. Because I'm like, Diego's so off the wall that he needs someone by the books on his side. Um, so my other favorite character from the season is Raymond Chessa, who I understand why he stayed back in time, but I was like, Allison, you bring that man with you because that is a good man. And he was fighting for the cause. and He was, he was a teacher at Stallman. I was like, oh, so villain. Allison's just collecting
0: husbands. She was married in 2019. She's married in <laughs>
2: Listen, 1963. Allison is just like this space.
1: Look at this face. You the, would not think to Alison.
0: Yeah, no, I would marry pretty. that. She's face. very pretty. So Kim, you also had some some favorites
1: um, in the season. So yeah, Lila is hot. Um, yeah, Lila is so hot. General fact. Um, and I like he's he's always been my favorite. Um, even though I took the same Buzzfeed quiz and I did not get him, and I'm very disappointed by that. But um, I. This season I loved and appreciated not just 5 more but like just Aiden Gallagher's growth as an actor that little tiny uh, adorable yeah. human that is Aiden Gallagher who plays number 5 um I honestly believe that he is a tiny old man and I think that that speaks volumes about Aiden's acting
2: He
0: was he was really good like the I saw some he some is- parts where he was very much In that scene and it was, it was, he was really good.
1: He's such a convincing old man. It's just hilarious. Um, but like one of my, it's such a teeny tiny little detail, but when I saw it, I was like, that is acting, but like, so five's reaction, he has this little chuckle that he does when Luther punches through his own wall. He gets, like, really frustrated and he punches through his own wall and he makes <laughs> eye contact with Five, who's, like, leaning against the station wagon across the street. And Five just, like, does this little silent chuckle, like, of course, you idiot. Like, <laughs> like I was like, this kid is a national treasure. He is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I very much appreciated Five, even more so than I already did this season. Um, and, yes, I thought... um. Yusuf Gadewood did an amazing job as Raymond. Um, I was nervous for him, honestly. I was like, because he doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, because he doesn't exist in the comic books. And because he is so lovable that I, I just didn't want him to be the tragic hero. And I was like, the yeah. whole season, I was like, please don't kill him. Please don't kill him. Please don't kill him. And he gets beat up a lot this season. Aww. This poor man gets poor beat guy. up a lot this season. And every time I'm like, please don't be dead. Please don't be dead. So I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful to the writers and producers for not killing Raymond Chestnut and keeping him alive yeah. and keeping keeping the revolution alive uh, with him because I that would have been you know that would have been a, a kind of a cheap tragedy to me um, yeah, yeah yeah and I think it, it it spoke volumes I think it was more meaningful that they kept him alive throughout the whole uh season I will say like the first
2: time he was getting beat up I kept screaming at my tv like I was like how was like I don't care I don't care I was like on the edge of my seat and I was like if he dies I don't think I can continue the show right now like I'm gonna have to come back to it oh, um, but yeah like Kim said I'm so happy he was was allowed to survive the season and also just quickly jumping on what Kim was talking about growth in characters with like number five and Aiden's just like growth as an actor I love that we got to see more of Ben more of Allison and more of Vanya Yeah. because like even though a lot of Last season was focused on Vanya because we were getting to know her powers or, like, her journey. Um, And, like, everyone seems to have, like, an equal amount of story time. But, like, a lot of Allison's story, we didn't really get to know her as a person, but more of just, like, her in her powers. And this season was, was a lot of, like, who Allison is at, like, at her base which is why you could see, like, she would be the first one to jump to Vanya's aid um, and not try to kill her in last season. Like, you can understand why Allison did the things that she did and why she broke down the way that she did um, when she was losing her daughter. And with Ben, like, just the impact that Ben would have had if he was alive. Yeah. Like, you can see how much of a glue he is to the team as well. Um, and I just, I got, and like Vanya as well, we got to see a Vanya, like, even though Vanya this season did not have her memories, we got to see, again, who Vanya is as a person. She's very caring, but she's also very observant, and she's very, like, doesn't like that other people get mistreated, and it might have been, like, because in the deep deep down she knew that she was mistreated. It was one of those things that I just enjoyed those three characters' journey this season, and getting to see their actors just lady up and because like i every time i get talked to you about umbrella academy i always bring up emmy and i'm like emmy is such a fabulous like she's so talented she can sing she can dance she can rap she can act and like just seeing her get her praise and i'm just i'm here for all of it
1: wait i didn't know that about emmy emmy plays allison um yes on the umbrella uh,
2: yeah so emmy was in the original uh she was part of the crew for Hamilton. No, and she oh. was Angelica Yeah, she was Angelica Skyler in the National Tour. Oh wow. No way. Yeah. So that's, I mean that's more than just I, in
0: Hamilton. That's a that's a major yeah. part.
2: <laughs> yeah. So she she was yeah, she was she was part she was Angelica Schuyler in the national tour and so I'm just like I mean it's so freaking talented and so you see it happen a lot of especially black women That are actresses that are, like, super talented, but they never get the role to, like, stand out in. Or, like, they get a role in a TV show, and they're kind of pushed to the side. Mm
1: -hmm. They're not allowed
2: to shine. So, the fact that I, like, really got to meet Allison. And see, Allison in such an important role, not just on the team, but in history. Like,
1: seeing that she would be
2: someone that would fight. I was like, this is... This is Allison. This is the Allison that I started loving in season one. I could see bits and pieces of her. Because um, I like. I know everybody loves Klaus and Robert Shannon is freaking amazing. He is amazing in so many other things, but I... He's like, my wardrobe twin. Uh, we have... Oh, the, in the,
1: yeah, we have the same the clothes. <laughs> um, but it's
2: just one of those where I'm just like, I always love to see the
1: quote-unquote
2: underdogs, which is family tends to be a lot of the actors of color to be brought forward and like have their light shine and amazing stories that they get to tell and so the fact that like last season I remember some people were just like we want more Justin who plays Ben and I was like we want more Emmy who plays Allison I was just like we got it we got it I'm so happy yeah yeah you guys I mean
0: yeah you guys had a lot to say about Ben's storyline so it seems like seems like uh, people got what they asked for
1: Got a lot of
0: them mm-hmm. um, Even though it oh, ended she. in sadness Yeah but. well
1: We're going to talk about the ending in a bit
0: Yes Sad, mm-hmm. but Sadness first, lasted
1: about 20 minutes
0: First uh, I mean it's a It's a a show Based on graphic novels uh, mm-hmm. In the age of The meta reference And there were <laughs> some meta References in here uh, So so Kim why don't, you, why don't you Go through a couple of them
1: So, I always thought this was so funny. So, if you put together like a montage of all of them landing in the 60s, so everyone has like a very ungraceful landing, right? So, they're like landing on the just flat out on the concrete ground or like landing in a dumpster or like they're or they're like you know disheveled and like I don't know, bumbling around for a little bit. But freaking Diego and his Diego ness. (laughs) lands in 1963 like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which was, like, just so funny that, like, of course, Diego would land, like, in a superhero pose while everybody else is just, like, you know, covered in garbage and running around and, and like, confused. It's good
0: to be Diego, I guess.
1: Yeah. Of course, my favorite Ralph and
2: reference is Diego... Basically comparing himself to Luke Skywalker because they're 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 talking about how they're he's in group therapy in the psychiatric ward and they're talking about how he has a hero complex that is attached to his daddy issues and so he like references Luke Skywalker and then like of course it does not hit because this is 1963 yeah no yeah, one like knows 14 Star, years Wars before Star Wars. and he's just like you can tell he's extra frustrated because he's like Do you know what. This would be really funny, but you guys just don't know what Star Wars is. Yeah. Like, he's just like angry that no one got his reference, which, you know, again, I can see how I'm Diego. Because every time I make a really nerdy reference that everybody's just like, where did that come from? I'm like, if you saw this show, you would really get it. And it'd be really, really funny right now.
1: So basically... um Five is trying to describe his brother to his brother, Diego. um, He has several brothers, um, but his brother, Diego specifically to Elliot. um, And um, basically makes a reference like, like Diego is, is like Batman, but worse. Like he's like a, like, as, as Eileen says, a rubbish Batman.
0: Any more, any more geeky references there?
1: The last geeky reference, at least I caught. I'm sure a lot of other people caught a lot more, but um, the one that I wrote down was that, um, according to Klaus, so when he was trying to prove to Dave that he knows Dave, that he is, you know, familiar with Dave from a previous life. Oh. Yeah. So he goes, Dave's favorite book is Dune, and so oh, I caught that Dune Frank reference. Herbert novel. Yeah. So I caught that Dune reference. Um, and, and of course, Dave is like, what's Dune? He's like, you're, you're going to read it in a couple of years and you're going to love it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the other two geeky references um, that I noticed is that there's a guy, um, and this was popular in the Watchmen comics, um, and there's another comic book, I want to say Batman had a panel like this, but it's like The End is Nigh, and it's all those comic book uh, books, like, The Apocalypse, it was like the same kind mm-hmm. of, like, print that they would use, and there's always that one person, that is like, The End is Nigh, The End is Near, um, yes. and I, a good I, I remember seeing that and being like, oh, it just, just felt like a graphic novel, it's so cool, Good catch. and then the film, the film, like, slash geeky one, is that, like, Luther's saying is was very rocky like he had like the, the rocky
0: I did runs, I did like, say the, the, I did say something yeah. to Kim about that that it looked very it looked like uh, they should have been playing gonna fly now and he yes. should have run through an Italian market uh, he had children following him
2: that's true, that's true. And he had uh, children following but him they heckled
0: trip. him rather than cheering him so
2: <laughs> they made um, it funny by making him trip in the end and being super awkward but it was very rocky like yes. yes in terms of the clothes the, like, the color coordination of the clothes is very watchable.
0: yes all right so so we've gotten a lot of the content of the showdown but what about the 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 sensory aspects of the show starting with the visual so cinematography what really uh, eileen struck out to you about the cinematography
2: so I loved how colorful this season was. I don't know if it has to do with like the '60s. The, they're based in the '60s, and like a lot of those times, it's always they're, it's always muted in that sense. The the closer they get to each other, it seems the brighter the the cinematography gets. And I don't know if anybody else saw that, or if it's just a, a me thing. I've always talked about how. Um, umbrella Academy has one of my favorite cinematographies for a comic book based show, because it's very much of like, they set the scene with the visuals because in, even when we were in 2019, you can tell that it wasn't our 2019 through the visuals. Not only like we didn't see them have cell phones, we saw them having to go to a library and use one, the older cell computers and a, a fish film. Um, but it's also in the way the colors were muted at points or like certain things just look differently. So I think they, like I was talking before, that they, in the story, you can tell that they put a lot of thought to it. They seem to put a lot of thought into the cinematography and it's one of my favorite things about this show.
0: That's awesome. You were both talking earlier about the music in this, in season two. So, so Kim, what, what really jumped out? musically for you
1: so music is obviously an important component of the show umbrella academy after all is the brainchild of gerard way who's the lead singer for my chemical romance so
0: i i had no idea until you were telling me when we were uh, prepping for this episode that's that's insane i i did not know that
1: yeah that's that's um yeah this is gerard way's baby so obviously the music this season is so 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 good um i think when it comes to some standout moments so first of all we were talking about this a little earlier that um the name of klaus's cult was destiny's children obviously yeah. destiny's great Child.
0: great name
1: there's the montage of of and we're just going to talk about favorite songs here if you want um but the there's this montage of klaus transforming into a cult leader um and the song sunny by Boney M was playing in the background throughout this like montage. Um, and that was stuck in my head for
0: And it, it felt like that day. song kept getting more intense the further along it got. Yeah. Like it was just it, that, was, oh, it was, that so, was a good,
1: it's good so montage. It's so well done. Um but yeah, it was it was stuck, it was stuck in my head for like a the whole day after I finished binge watching the entire um the entire season. But it was so it was so catchy and, and it was so perfect for that scene. I, you know, love me a good Backstreet Boys moment. Yes. So when Ben is,
2: Ben asks Klaus is leaving and he quotes Backstreet Boys to his, like, one of his cult members and, it's like, as he's trying to get back to the family. Um, and it just starts a fighting sequence of, like, Allison trying to free herself from the trees and all this stuff um it was just my favorite moment because like it was it was a song that i would not have expected to be like a fighting song but it's like it was just perfect it worked it was like the poppy beats worked for the fighting and it reminded me of the the Inst- instemble moment in season one where uh five is at the diner and it's just like oh this is this poppy song but it
1: works perfectly in this fighting sequence so yeah that so
0: what? what but favorite. what, what Bastard street boy song
1: Back streets back. All right. One of the like as as Eileen said, one of like the followers was like, Do you have any words of wisdom? And he goes, Oh my God, we're back again. Brothers, yes. sisters, <laughs> everybody sing. Bye. We're going to bring the flavor, show you how. Show you how. <laughs> and then the the song takes everybody. Everybody
2: should not be a fighting song, but they made it work. <laughs> and I love it. Like, I, they could have, I'm sure any other song would have worked, but the fact that it was everybody and Clouds slash Ben used it as like, they're going away party words to their cult. Like, to, to get, party them up one more time, was just hilarious. And it also made me think that like, I discussed this with a friend. It's just like, okay, there's not a change of timeline. So does that mean that there is do does Destiny Child and do the Backstreet boys become like (gasps) cult musicians because they're they're they have these lyrics that come from
1: this cult scripture? (laughs) Oh my God, I didn't even think about that
2: and was, gloria Gaynor,
1: gloria Gaynor. he also called oh yeah it, gloria
2: Gaynor, which would have been and tlc the in the
1: in the prison scene and he's like don't go chasing oh, yeah. waterfalls <laughs> was, i love the fact yeah so the music and once again was stellar um oh my god now i need season three
0: one music thing that uh that i really picked up on was i could swear i knew what the song was and then it it went to the, the refrain, and I realized it was a cover of Billie Eilish.
1: Oh, yeah. There was a. Oh, yeah. It was one like five squares off against Lila. There was also another cover, um, which was. I want to say, and I need to
2: look this up now. Um, I remember when it was playing, I was just like, whoa, there was a Swedish cover oh, yes. of, I believe, Adele, yes. and they were giving the Viking funeral to the first Swedish brother that died.
1: Yes. It was the Swedish and cover it was, of Hello. It was so good. Yeah, it was hello. Yes. Oh. It was the Swedish cover of hello. And it starts playing and
2: I'm like, Oh god, it has hello, but then it like kept going. And I'm like, Oh my god, it's Swedish was so brilliant because of course they would do a Swedish cover for the Swede
1: That Died. I love this freaking show. It's so good. It's that was so brilliant. That was such a great decision um my other favorite cover since there are a lot of really really good covers this season was when Diego gets put in isolation after um five tells the psychiatric ward that he was attempting to escape um so Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize the I recognized the song lyrics but they had changed the melody so much that I didn't recognize it so when I looked it up I was like Super surprised, but it was, um, uh, Daniela Andrade did a cover of Crazy by Narls Barkley. Oh,
0: that they were that's a good song. It was,
1: it was really good. I mean, like, they really, they changed the melody a lot, but it was, it was so good. It was so, like, haunting and, like, you know, it was, it was great just the last one that I have, which is, I just remembered it because I was trying to think of one thing.
2: What was the song that was playing when Five was fighting himself, his older self, and dancing with myself? Yes! Yes!
0: Billy Idol. Love it.
2: Because I just remember, I was like, oh my God, this was freaking hilarious. Because it's one of those where when I watch TV, I usually have to have subtitles on. um, And... Like the lyrics came on, and I was like, "Of course, this is the
0: song that they choose. This is perfect." All right, so there's obviously a lot of music in this season. Uh, there were also, because they went back in time, a lot of costumes, a lot of very interesting costumes. So, Kim, what were what what kind of costumes were you looking at? What what
1: popped out to you? Um. I have never wanted to cosplay Klaus more than I did this season. Cult leader Klaus has a <laughs> fabulous wardrobe. I mean, that's a his whole look this season was fantastic. I wanted to be Klaus in like every scene. Um so I think Klaus Klaus's costuming was great and um and I think um, Eileen, in the BuzzFeed video that you shared with me, um, mm-hmm. and where, where the cast of the Umbrella Academy all take like a BuzzFeed quiz, um, Emmy Raver Lampman, who plays Allison, um, says that she wants to play the handler and I totally agree with her. I love her wardrobe and her accessories and her whole vibe. I mean, I was digging the 1950s look that she had um, in season one, but I think in season two, too, I was like, well, how are they going to top that? Because I I feel like everybody wanted to cosplay uh, the handler from season one. But I I thought the clothes were just incredible. And so like 1960s sexy chic, um, which is sort of the handler's whole look. So I I really I would say um, Klaus and the handler for me, their costuming was just on point.
0: Okay, Eileen, how about you?
1: Uh, I think I
2: just overall enjoyed how they translated everyone's style from 2019 into 1960s. Like every, like Vanya's clothes fit. It was very much like, I'm just wearing very boxy clothing, but like it fits my, just mm-hmm. it fits my laid back style. Allison in Klaus are the most fashionable. Um, Luther again is just like, Luther was the only one changed because he was just, like, more in sweat this time or, like, in truth because of like what his job was. And Diego always looks like he is, like, two steps away from covering himself in Kevlar to be Batman. Um, <laughs> but the, the one that stood out the most for me, and it was, like, I just realized it because I texted all my friends as soon as I saw it, was Allison's fighting, like, outfit, which is, like, a cape with like and pants and i was just like this is the moment i've been waiting for this is the outfit that i want to just be buried in just like just look fabulous but i'm ready to kick your
0: ass well so so on that what you know what fighting scenes because you already talked about a fighting scene with backstreets back uh and now you're talking about allison's fighting outfit so what what fight scenes were the because there, are i mean it's superhero show so there's always fight scenes but what which ones were the big ones for you
2: uh, for me, the first one wasn't like we didn't get to see too much fighting, but again it was the first time we kind of really got to see everybody working together. Um, and so it's when we're seeing when Five realizes that his family is on the front line fighting against the Russians. Um, and then the other one was one of the ending ones when they're all trying to fight Lila. Um, and then they slowly start to realize that she can mimic their powers. Um mm. and they're trying to work together, because they're like, okay, she can only mimic us one at a time. But it's just, like, everybody's seeing their powers used against them, especially Allison. Um, Because, like, this season, we really get to see how Allison is one of the, like, I think one of the best hand-to-hand fighters that they have. Because, like, Luther and Diego, Luther relies on his, like, brute strength, and Diego on his, like, being able to like, control any projectile, but Allison is always has, like, I think she always has to train to be able to get close to people to get, to, like, say the rumor thing to them. So she's very good at disabling people and getting them into, like, random positions. Oh my god. you all of Allison's fighting fees. Yeah, all of Allison's fighting fees this season were, like, my favorite. Um, And then number five versus number five, just because it was hilarious, seeing them blitz around each other. Um, and not quite like, like just realizing that like, oh my god, they're the same freaking person. Because even young five, as he says all season, is fourteen days older than like the older looking five. And so like he knows what moves. And so like they just flipping around each other, and all you see is Luther in the middle just holding himself because like he got hit in the nard. Um, <laughs> he's just like, ah, oh, oh. and everything. Like this, 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 fight is happening. I mean, just the way that that was shot too, because it's. They're obviously moving really fast and, like, Luther's in the middle. So I I enjoyed all the fighting scenes, but especially all of Allison's scenes and, like, the big one at the end and in the beginning.
0: Okay. How about about you, Kim?
1: You read my mind. So when Lila squared off against everyone, that was just rad, like, and stole all their powers and, like, mirrored it back to them. My other two favorite fight scenes are when Klaus fights Ben on the side of the road. And they, like, <laughs> tumble out of their car. And, like, Klaus fights Ben and this local dude just, like, passes by in his car. And he just sees Klaus by himself, like, writhing around on the ground. Very fight like, club. Yeah, exactly. It was very... Fi- oh, my God, that's another geeky reference. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, a pop
0: culture reference.
1: A pop culture reference, yeah. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. Um, five killing the board in episode seven, oh. the commission board. So I'm gonna admit, and Eileen, you know this about me. I watched that through my fingers, because I know that <laughs> whenever, whenever there's a lot of people in a room and five is involved, that it's not gonna be pretty. And but it was it, it was, it was, it was just as epic as as you would expect from a trained assassin like five. So I think those were my two favorite fight scenes.
0: So, so this, this show based on a, based on a graphic novel. So there's a lot of, of reliance on, on dialogue. So there have to be, I mean, you guys have already listed a few, a few quotes that you really liked, but what, uh, what, what other quotes really stood out to you that you think, uh, that you think people will enjoy?
2: So class at one point they're like the family's finally together and they bring up like what everybody's been doing. Um and I guess everybody's relationship and cause was like, Yeah, the only healthy relationship in this bunch is when five was the mannequin. Ah. <laughs> oh. And I was just,
0: that is
2: out. I was out. That is <laughs> I something. Like, oh man. But true though. I'm... But true. <laughs> <laughs> but true. It might have not been word for word that, but it was that was yes. No, of
1: that. that was pretty much it.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so Kim, can uh, you top that?
1: Ah, for me. There was the funniest moment um, was Klaus trying to recite a fable to Allison, like, trying to make her feel better. And, like, he like, tells the, the the fable of the scorpion and the frog, I believe. He, like, ends it with, so the point is, frogs are bitches and we don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> and I was like, print it mean, on a t-shirt. Pull- Tattoo I think it both on my of arm. those
0: statements That's... can can stand on their own <laughs> or together. Uh, any anything else? Any any uh, emotional favorite quotes?
2: Um. Yeah. Uh. Again, like when I was talking about Ben, is like when Ben is like, like he said all these beautiful things to Vanya to help her realize, and as he realizes that he's disintegrating, and Vanya realizes she's like, you shouldn't have come for me. Like I'm not worth it. And he says like you are. Um, and then, but like, it's just like a simple request. He's like, can you hug me as I go? It's like, it's been such a long time. He doesn't even finish a sentence when is Va- like enveloping him. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, you don't get to realize how much Ben was probably suffering this whole time because not only can he not touch things, he's seeing everyone grow up and grow distant and seeing, Klaus, like, because a lot of what you see this season with Ben and Klaus is, Ben just angry at how much Klaus is deteriorating as a person at times, Mm -hmm. and how he like because he always asks Klaus, he's like, "Are you sure you're going to be okay with this? Are you sure like this isn't going to hurt you?" Um, And you just you see how much of a protective brother Ben was, and it just makes you like ache because you're like, "Oh my god, so many things could have been like either avoided or just like." How much must it have hurt for them? And you kind of understand why Klaus used his powers to bring Ben back as a ghost and, like, lie to him, quote-unquote, about what the light is. He's like, oh, you can go anywhere, anytime, and just, like, see how how Ben was as a brother. And it, it is just one of those heartfelt moments. Yeah. It's so simple, but it just, like, sticks with you, right?
1: In that part. I mean, there's also that, like, that moment where, like, everyone... All, everyone's together at Elliot's and then everyone leaves Elliot, and Ben's just sitting there by himself. And he says, I oh, miss yeah. you all so much. Uh, oh, I know. I was oh. like, I, my heart broke. Like I didn't even know what was coming. I, I, I like, I didn't even know what was going to happen to Ben. But at that moment I was just like, like you're just the sweet, like little angel. Um, But also, um, there was some really good banter. There's always really good banter Uh, among the siblings since, you know, they have like sort of sketchy relationships with each other Um, and with their dad, quote unquote. Um, But uh, Diego and Luther, there's a moment where Diego and Luther are talking about their encounters, their separate encounters with their father. And uh, Luther goes, at least he didn't shank my ass. And then Diego replies, no, bro, he shanked your heart yeah <laughs> I was like
0: oh that's a line right there
1: that is like yeah. the best diego line <laughs> I could probably think of
2: I just I just re- that just reminded me of my favorite line from Klaus was like they're like everybody's all serious and Klaus is just like looking at the group and he's like he's like can it be possible did we all get sexier yes! I' am like of course this is what Klaus is focusing on. Like, that's just who Klaus is as a person. And then when they're trying to save audio and, like, Allison has gone and tried, and Allison is knocked out, and Diego's like, okay, I'm going to go try. And, like, <laughs> Klaus is like, I got to tell you something. And Diego's like, I, I got no time for your shit, bro. And he's like, no, no, it's real serious. He's like, you look at, like, Antonio Banderas with that long hair. I just thought you should know. And, like, I thought Diego was going to slap him, but he just goes, Thank you. Like, I really needed to hear that. Just love looking like Antonio Banderas. I'm like, this family. He's so off the walls and they're so perfect for each other.
1: Klaus has some, like, amazing, amazing lines this season. He always has, like, probably the best lines because um, he is, like, the sort of comic relief of the group. But, like, I wrote, down, I wrote down the words, and I, like, with no context whatsoever, but I wrote down the words, what I am is sexy trash.
0: Yes, that, that sounds like a quote during
1: episode nine. I have no clue what context that quote is in. Just FYI, but I know it was Klaus, and I know it was hilarious. I just remember
2: because I I remember hearing that and automatically thinking, Oh my god, that's what I have to make my new Twitter name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sexy trash. <laughs> i love it
0: all right so folks are gonna have to watch the show to get the rest of the to get that quote in context and get the rest of the awesome quotes that we don't have time to get (laughs) through um but so you guys watched all the way through to the end there was a very intense finale that we're not going to recap right now but you have thoughts on the finale right kim
1: it I did realize by the time episode 10 rolled around that they are following the exact same formula as last season, but I didn't mind, and that's not a ding on them because it feels so much more exciting and satisfying uh, this season. So, I mm-hmm. mean, there's, like, the story of them drifting apart, and then they squabble, and then they kind of come back together, and then they, like, do – they take one step forward, but then something happens that takes them two steps back, and then, like, five throws a Hail Mary – and that leads us to like the future, but then you realize like something got messed up along the way. So, so.
0: what? So why don't you just de- detail that one part? What exactly got messed up when they go to the future?
1: Okay, so the siblings return to the mansion in 2019 after five. Um, sort of get I I guess obtains a. Um, a, a briefcase to to time travel them back to 2019 the, which
0: the commission uses to because that's how the commission time travels
1: yes um so they find out that not only is their father still alive in 2019 but so is Ben and his strange haircut um but also the umbrella Academy is was never a thing apparently and the har and instead Hargreaves founded the Sparrow Academy with completely different kids. Meaning that they effed up the timeline again. Yeah. I mean like I (laughs) Yeah. Well, six other kids because they still had Ben.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Ben's the leader now. Yeah. Um, and I kind of realized that like I think it was episode nine when I started to realize I was like, if they do get back to the future, all they've already messed up their own timeline. Yep. Um, and because I had read the books, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to give us the Sparrow Academy who like in the, in the comic books and the graphic novels, they are like, they're at the same time as the Umbrella Academy. Um, they like, they don't happen because of a change. They, they, they are aware of each other, but I thought it would be like, I, when I realized that we, Hardware's never got to hear about Ben. Like, Ben tries... Like, he says his name, kind of, but he doesn't know who Ben is. I kept thinking, I was like, okay, so we're either going to get an Umbrella Academy where he's treated the kids better, or we're going to have a separate storyline, because I knew that, like, as soon as... Especially as soon as we got Lila and realized that the other kids that were born that day of the 42, not all of the other um, ones died, because, like, that's the theory going, that, like, some of them died because they were born, like wherever they were born and their parents didn't know about it. So they couldn't drown. They could have been in a cold place. Um, So I kind of like, as soon as we got to Lila, I kind of realized I was like, Oh, we might get the other kids that were born. Like he might just avoid the ones that he knows because like, even though he doesn't like, they wouldn't have those names when they're birthed. He would know like enough about where they're from and what their power base is to avoid them.
1: So, one of the Sparrow Academy members is standing next to this, like, small, like, levitating... The cube? Yeah. Cube yeah. box thing. What do you think uh-huh. that is? And could it be Harlan? So, I have two theories.
2: It's either that Harlan and Hargreaves make the cataclysm happen that birthed the 42 kids. Um, uh 'Cause it was always my theory that uh, especially with the time traveling going on in the show, um, that Hargreaves is, is and now especially that they've they said like they showed that he is an alien, he's not human, Hargreaves is what causes the event to happen. And it could be like an essence of Harlan in the cubes.
0: Let's just do some, some closing thoughts on on season two. Uh what what are your Final impressions. What are you taking away from this? What are you hoping for a potential season three?
1: Oh wow, the, um, those are big questions. Um, I we
0: don't do small questions here on Geek Prime.
1: Apparently not. Um, I I adored season two of Umbrella Academy more than like a lot of seasons of a lot of shows. Um, I. Yeah. I think it was just an incredible season to look at, to listen to, to take in, the character development. Everything was just spot on and perfect. Um and the decisions that they made were so thoughtful. Again, I mentioned the fact that they didn't kill Raymond, mm-hmm. even though it would have been easy and, and and it would have been, you know, emotionally tragic. Um and, and having him continue to 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 push forward the the civil rights agenda. I I absolutely love that. I think another thing that I love that I think is really underestimated about the season, another choice that they made to not do something um, is that even though Harlan kind of um, absorbed Vanya's power when she saved him, um, the fact that they did not, that that um, act did not automatically make Harlan verbal or Quote cure him, uh, yeah. somehow from what I presume to be some sort of developmental disability was an incredible thoughtful choice. Yeah, um, because that happens a lot. That happens a lot. Oh yeah, in, that's my big yeah. beef yeah.
0: about about a lot of um a lot of pop culture and and uh and geek stuff is that when there is representation of uh of disabilities, it's it's somehow cured uh, or somehow. Overcome with very 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 few exceptions. I mean, that's one one of my beefs with Arrow was was uh, they put Felicity in a wheelchair and then uh, a few episodes later, but well, she's got this little thing in her spine that she can now walk again.
1: I mean, she's doing like the salmon yeah. ladder. Like, yeah. So <laughs> like
0: so yeah, no. Um, later. Yeah, I very much appreciate when uh, when there's not just a simple like fix to a disability um when because that's just not acknowledging the disability. It's acknowledging an obstacle and then getting rid of the obstacle yeah. when people in real life just can't.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there, there was just as much artistry in what they chose not to do as in what they chose to do. I think it was just, a again, an incredible season. I don't even know how they could top this season with season three. I just don't, I don't know. Cause it's yeah. just so, it was so rich and it was so good. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Okay. Um, I have very similar thoughts.
2: Uh, I, I, like Kim said, I enjoyed the season more than I have a lot of shows. Um, I definitely didn't do a sophomore slump. It got better. Their pacing was much better. Yes. In this season. Um, like, I didn't mind the pacing of season one, but I know it, it took a people, like, a while to get into it. And I think a lot of my friends were like, yeah, I watched the first two episodes. And then by three, then I was like, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. And I'm binging this now. Um but I feel like season two was just like I could not stop and I like started I'm pretty sure at like two o'clock in the morning I was like, I'm just gonna keep going. I don't need to I any don't, more I Umbrella w- Academy. But I I like kids said, I enjoyed how everybody's character actually got developed. You know, it didn't feel like anyone got left behind. Um, even Luther had growth. Um, and I know like for a lot of people Luther was not one of their A's in this first season, Um, but you could see the, in, in the sense, the damages that him being number one and realizing that, like, maybe he's not the strongest, maybe he's not the smartest of the team, but still filling in that leader position when needed. Um, and, like, he had that whole, like, usually Luther you could count on to be like, we need to go to this mission. And this season, in the beginning, he very much was like, no, screw that. Like, I've been alone. And I realized that maybe I'm not as needed as I thought I was. But still, in the end, showed up for his team. Um, still helped outwit a number five, which was really funny. And for season three, I'm, one, excited that we ha- get to have, like, an in-person Ben. I was, like when Ben died um, in, season, in episode nine, I was scared that we just wouldn't have a Ben. um, And I was like, that, that is one of my favorites. And like, yeah. just getting like, having Justin being allowed to like, have a different kind of Ben. And also like, I'm very excited to see what hard we took in. Like, so, like I mentioned in the comics, the Sparrow Academy is in the comics, and they're not very, they're not the rivals of the Umbrella Academy, they're just like, they're just another group of kids, of the 42. Um, and there are some villains that come from those kids that were born on that day, but it's not the Sparrow Academy. And so I just want to see, like, did he take, did he, because he was taking notes while he was talking to them, and like... Number five was the only one he was like, Oh, you, you seem interested. So I'm like, did he take notes? Did he try to adjust how he, um, brought these kids up? Cause it seems to be like Ben still has regard for him versus like, and they all seem to still be together, even though they're older, which is unlike the Umbrella Academy where you only had number one. So I'm interested to see what, how Hargreaves might have changed as a parent. I'm interested to get Pogo and mom back because I really missed them this season. Um, like we got hints of, of, their origin, but I was like, I miss Pogo and mom. I'm going to um, go, I'm going to yeah.
1: go ahead and say it. Baby Pogo is the baby Yoda of this series. Yes. Ooh, bold yes. statement. Yes. If, if they thought that they could get me in the heartstrings with a baby animal, they were right. Cause, <laughs> <he> <laughs> was Cause when I saw was. baby Pogo in the spaceship, I was like, I'm like I'm Pogo. I need, I was like, so like, I bad. need that Funko Pop. I need it now. <laughs>
2: He maybe pogo his face too, or like when Hargreeves was reading to him, and he was just like up and the kids. Oh my so god, cute. that was so in his pajamas. It was. So, oh my god! Sorry, my voice
1: went it's up true. like ten octaves. It's, it's fine. But you also you also brought up a point that I forgot to mention is I as far as season three goes. I cannot wait to see Ben's powers at work, like the grotesque tentacles burst. That's his power. That's his superpowers. Mm -hmm. He gets like these tentacles that burst out of his body and um, they're like huge and grotesque. And like that's we didn't we saw it in the finale of season of of, of season one.
2: You do see it really quickly in the first episode. Oh,
1: that's right. That's right. The it's the Soviet scene.
2: Yeah, it's when they're fighting because he's on top of the roof. And uh, after Klaus releases the soldiers, like, you see Ben using the thing. Yeah, so you get a little... He he can transport a demon through him. All right.
1: You're right,
0: you're right. All right. Well, there is obviously a lot of expectation for season three now. Uh, I
1: need it tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Get on it, Netflix. Um, But uh, Eileen, thank you so much uh it's been a great been a great conversation so uh everybody at home eileen aquino you can follow her on twitch and on twitter uh at slow uh and on instagram at the amazing kin k-i-n and definitely definitely give her a follow def- uh,